welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Who Says No. It is 4.30, oh, I'm sorry, it's 4.42 a.m. on draft night. I have been up all night writing. I am exhausted. Joining me is another very diligent worker who, God bless him, is up at 4.42 in the morning. Frequent guest, fifth time guest on this podcast, Yossi Goslin. Yossi, this is real commitment to the show for you to be on this early in the morning. I'm the unofficial co-host, and I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> well, we've got to get you like a five-timers jacket like they do on SNL. The difference is, on SNL, it usually takes like several years for somebody to host five times. You've done this now five times in like five months, but it's just uh, because you're that good. So you've earned it. You are the unofficial second co-host of this podcast. Thank you. And I remember last uh, at the end of our last podcast, I was saying I hope to do five more before uh, the end of the year or be, the end of the offseason. I think we're well on that pace. Well, like the last one we did was what a week ago, ten days ago. <laughs> yeah, something like that. The first first round pick extensions. Yeah. Yep. I was not expecting for us to get back together so quickly, but then the basketball world exploded. So here we are. <laughs> um, it is four forty three in the morning, the night after the NBA draft. The Los Angeles Lakers have reportedly traded Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma. Montrez Harrell and the number 22 overall pick to the Washington Wizards for Russell Westbrook. You know, see, I'm just going to give you the floor. Speak your mind. Personally, I'm not a fan of this for Westbrook. I mean, for the Lakers, um, their you know, lack of spacing, lack of shooting. Uh, I see why the Lakers would want to do it. They want to go back to being as physical, if not more physical, as they were two years ago. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them get some of those uh, big men back like Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, um, and we'll see what kind of vets they can get for the veteran minimum. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I'm very skeptical about it. I wouldn't have done that if I were the Lakers. Um, I think I would have. If I wanted to make some kind of consolidation trade, I probably would have tried to look elsewhere, but at the same time, there probably wasn't that much elsewhere. So that's where I'm at. I, I really like it for the Wizards. Uh, best way to look at it is that they managed to turn John Wall into three solid role players. They needed flexibility badly. Um, and, you know, whatever, just the Bradley Beal factor aside, uh, they really needed to deconsolidate that $40 million plus salary. And now they save some money. They've got, uh, if the trade goes as reported, they have like, they get a eight and a half million TPE, which I'm sure they'll use some to uh, acquire Aaron Holiday in their reported trade for him. And, uh, you know, uh, just a step towards their inevitable rebuild, which I would assume will come one day. I don't know what Beal is thinking. I'm starting to think that he either just likes to be the, uh, the, the face of the franchise and score 35, 40 points a night, or maybe he's just too afraid to hurt the Wizards' feelings and asking for a trade. What do you think? I think my my conspiracy theory is that you're right. He's too afraid to hurt their feelings, mm. and the Wizards are thinking we can't trade him until he asks for a trade. But he's never going to trade, ask for a trade. So it's going to be this sort of awkward thing where, like, you know how when you want to break up with somebody but you don't know how to do it, so you're trying to get them to do it. Neither <laughs> side is actually going to do it. So I wrote this last week that I thought if Boston wanted Bradley Beal, their move wasn't to trade for him. Their move was to clear out the cap space to sign him because I think the way that this ends is him saying, no, no, I want to spend the year here and try to make it work, but then becoming a free agent realize, like, wait a second, I can go sign with Jason Tatum. I can go sign with, you know, pick this good team, like maybe Memphis, maybe any number of other good teams. I think he's just going to realize at that point, I need to walk. And then I think he's going to walk for nothing. I do have a quick question, though. Why did Adam Silver announce the the Wizards-Pacers part of the trade? Because the Westbrook trade is not official, to be clear. It can't be completed until August 6th. You know, it's very weird because he announced, like, certain parts of trades. Like, the specifically the draft pick aspects of trades. Like, he announced, uh, we have a... And they didn't say we have a trade to announce. Yeah, a pending trade. Just, is what, they said. what did he say? He said it was a pending trade. Yeah, no, he said not pending. He said something else. He's like we have like a future trade. To, I don't know. He said something weird. I think he did. Say they, I don't think they've ever done this. They've like announced portions of trades. Like for example, they announced that the Memphis Grizzlies are trading the 17th pick 
to New Orleans, and New Orleans is trading the tenth pick to Memphis. But like, there's more to that deal involving other players. But and they didn't like mention that at all. It was, so very, it was really very weird. Um, I had so. no idea what what was going on there. As I thought about the Westbrook trade, like I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm looking at every single positive aspect of this, and every time I do, I just come up with another reason to think of it negatively, right? Like, oh, okay, Westbrook is really going to help in the minutes that LeBron sits, which has been a problem for all three years that he's been with the Lakers. Well, last year when Westbrook played without Beal, the Wizards were outscored by almost five points for under possession. So, I mean, Anthony Davis will help in that regard, but, like, you shouldn't feel so great about that. He shot 35.6% on catch-and-shoot threes last year, which I got a little excited about. Then I checked, and that was his second-best mark ever of the tracking era, and he's had years where he's been below 30%, so that's not great. He's going to help the transition offense. Well, LeBron and AD getting healthy is going to help the transition offense. He's going to help the rebounding. Well, the rebounding was already really good. I think, to some extent, they're looking at this and saying, the team we have to beat is the Nets, and what the Nets struggle with is rim protection. But the problem is, if you just get a bunch of different guys that attack the rim, they weaken each other because without spacing, the Nets are going to be able to put more and more guys at the basket and sort mm-hmm. of negate that weakness themselves. So I don't think this was an ideal trade, but I think there are moves that the Lakers can make that can sort of make this more palatable. Let's talk about our conspiracy theory, which we discussed off of the air. Yossi, explain, A, how the Lakers can still get Buddy healed and B, why we think they are going to get Buddy Heald. So, yeah, I just wrote an article about this. It's on Hoops Hype right now. Um, and I and I did tweet about it at, like, when the Westbrook, Westbrook trade happened. I was asked by someone, uh, how can, you know, oh, wow, the Lakers are getting Westbrook. How can they still get, can they still get Buddy Heald? Is that possible? And basically at this point, Schroeder would have to be included in a sign-and-trade. Now, you're not going to see that being reported anywhere because uh, which that could only technically be negotiations on sign-and-trades could only start in free agency, so August 2nd. So, you know, just weird. Like, why is it that Kyle Kuzma got a, basically announced in two separate trades? Uh, obviously, one, it could be that, okay, maybe the Lakers were leveraging Sacramento to uh, – or leveraging Washington when they announced that deal on Sacramento, or but at the same time, I don't I don't know how they could have leveraged them because it just they they gave up everything they had real like realistically to give to get Washington to to Washington to get Westbrook. So um, uh, it so basically you know you the details were uh, Kuzma and Harrell for healed, which works and. Uh, so I'm thinking, okay, what if there's a three-way deal? Because I was tweeting about how basically Schroeder has to get involved. He would probably have to get uh, a 20% raise off his $15.5 million, which is 18.6 mil. That is the most the Lakers can get before BYC t- kicks in. So base your compensation, if he gets a dollar more than 18.6, then his, uh, his outgoing salary from the Lakers' perspective in a trade drops down to 15.5. So you want to get that at 18.6, and if you and then at that, then you can take back approximately 23.35 mil, and that is Buddy Heald territory. Um, now, if Buddy Heald comes to the Lakers, he does have some uh, incentives that would probably change his cap hit. I I know that he's got a playoff incentive, so his cap hit could is could rise. Uh, as soon as he hits the Lakers, so maybe they need to attach another salary. So, but thankfully they have Alfonso McKinney. I don't know how much it'll rise, but it shouldn't be that much. So, uh, I was I was just ex- doing a simple salary cap exercise, explaining how the Lakers could still get Buddy Healed, and I worded it was, oh yeah, they would have to trade Schroeder for Healed, and every Kings fan just got like, oh my God, why would the Kings do that? Yeah, I know the Kings wouldn't do that. I'm just trying to explain how it could happen. Yes. Uh, that's it. So, so well, I have a number of sign and trades we can get into for that. I yeah. want to throw out the timing here just for a second. This is what really throws me off. At 5 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, Woj tweets that Montrez Harrell has picked up his $9.7 million player option. Four minutes later, Woj tweets out that there is momentum towards a Buddy Heald to the Lakers trade. Ten minutes after that, 
and 514, Shams tweets that Russell Westbrook is going to the Lakers or whatever the early initial report of that was. I'm just going to tell people that is not how blockbuster trades work. They don't come together in 10 minutes. The Lakers clearly were negotiating in good faith, let's say, with the Kings. The Wizards did not swoop in at the last minute and make this offer. And we almost know that for a fact because Brad Turner of the L.A. Times reported that Russell Westbrook met with LeBron and A.D. two weeks ago. We would presume that the Wizards have known since then that this was a distinct possibility. So here's my thought. I think that the Lakers were leaking different components of this to different reporters, not telling them the entire picture because of what happened with Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Bucks last year, where they had a sign-and-trade lined up, it got leaked, and then the NBA, let's say, poo-pooed it and charged them with tampering. And we don't know if they didn't allow it to happen or if it just didn't happen. But the point is, you can't let the entire transaction fall apart. But I don't think the Lakers were lying to Woj either, right? Like, I think that was coming from a sincere place. I think once they had both deals lined up, they sort of went dark and they said, we're not going to let anything leak out. And there's plenty of evidence to support that. So here's what else I've got. Later, I believe it was before the draft, maybe half an hour before the draft, Woj goes on ESPN. At this point, Westbrook to the Lakers was well-known and says the Kings are likely to be aggressive in getting that deal complete with the Lakers even after Westbrook was already going there. Then, number nine overall pick, obviously, the Kings take Davion Mitchell, who plays Buddy Heald's position. Finally, during the draft, Eric Pinkett's of Bleach Report reports that according to one Western Conference executive, the Wizards highly value Contavious Caldwell-Pope, but coincidentally, Kyle Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell could be rerouted to another team. Hmm, those were the guys that the Kings reportedly wanted. Isn't that funny? Yes. So, a couple things there. Um, the um, So, I think the main reason that the Wizards aspect had to be announced was because the Lakers have that pick that they're sending to Washington. And, you know, just for, like, the sake of having it out there and really securing that agreement in the world, uh, you know, you want the Lakers to make that pick for the Wizards. So I get why they'd want to announce the Westbrook trade just for the sake of the draft pick. I think that's one big reason there. Um, And then, so what I think could have happened is, you know, the Lakers also want to, Help you know, help make the Kings feel a little secure by announcing that they have something with them going on. Uh, but like I said, you cannot uh, if there is a, a three way going on that would involve Schroeder in a sign and trade that cannot be uh, officially discussed yet because of the Bogdanovich issue that happened last season. As this is tampering, up. to be clear, yeah. and tampering 100 percent is happening right now. Guess yeah. what? I'm sorry to you Puritans who think this isn't how it works. There are deals that are agreed to right now that will be announced five minutes into free agency. That's just how it works. And look, and, and but the thing is the numbers just align so perfectly. So like, let's just say it, it stays a three-team deal. And let's say the Kings still get Harold and Kuzma. And I, yeah, I think you mentioned, and you did say that in, in Pinks' reporting, you said like the Pope, the Wizards mainly like Pope. Uh, that's like the, the guy they like the most in the deal. Uh, and then the Wizards, they don't have a point guard right now. I think their only point guard is Aaron Holiday. Could use another point guard. Uh, Michael Scotto was reporting that they are interested in sign trading for Dinwiddie, which that possibility has opened up after getting off Westbrook, uh, financially at least. But they could use Schroeder. Like, I think Schroeder would be a pretty nice fit in Washington. Uh, they need a point guard. So... Uh, I detail in my article that what they what can happen is a three-way deal. You get um, King still get Kuzma and Schroeder. Um, the Wizards still get Pope, and then they get um, they get Schroeder at that 18.6 mil. And then I and then the Lakers would still need to would still be a little bit short on the salary. So then they have McKinney. Just send them out, guarantee his salary. Send them out to the Kings or Wizards. I don't know, one of them. And then the Lakers could bring in Westbrook and Heald. Boom. So we should also, if the Wizards aren't the team to take back Schroeder, and maybe they are, maybe they're not, there are plenty of teams that should want Dennis Schroeder. And the way that I look at it is, 
there are four guards. I'm not going to say point guards. I'll just say ball handlers that are probably ahead of him on the pecking order this offseason, aside from Chris Paul and Mike Conley. That's Kyle Lowry, Spencer Dinwiddie, Lonzo Ball, and DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. But I think there are at least six teams that are really on the point guard carousel. So that would be the Knicks, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Heat, the 76ers, and the Bulls. There are more teams here than players. One of those teams is going to be willing to take Dennis Schroeder. We can talk about more specific player-for-player trades in there. But if if it really is just as simple as we need to find a matching salary home, I don't think the Lakers would have any trouble getting Schroeder to one of those teams. And by the way, if they have to send Talon Horton Tucker out to make this work, I don't know if they're willing to do so, but like, if they need to entice the Wizards with another asset or something, well, they can do that. Like, they have plenty of stuff to work with that makes this feasible. I just, it, it lines up so perfectly, as you said. My guess is that Schroeder is not going to go to Washington and that they're going to try to start Aaron Holiday at point guard next year. But I think Taylor and Horton Tucker will be in this deal in some form. We will see, because, yeah. Horton Tucker, they could include him. Uh, there's also Caruso. He's the only other Laker free agent with full bird rights. So we will see. Um, especially, con- uh, it, it, I'm a little skeptical they'd want to include him now just because the Lakers have no depth right now. Like, they're just, the roster is just those three, Marcus All and McKinney. And McKinney, for all we know, could just be, ended up a, could end up being used as salary filler on the seal trade if that happens. Uh, so even if it's just those, oh yeah, and then obviously maybe they get Buddy Heald. So even if it's just those four, I would imagine the Lakers would still want to bring back Caruso and Taylor Horton Tucker, just because like what else? You need the depth. There's not, nothing else right now. Like yeah, I know that the Lakers are cleaning up on the undrafted market. And I'm sure a couple of these guys will make the roster, but you need some more vets. Um, you know, I, I, I like. I, I guess I commend the Lakers for getting Westbrook because that signals that they're willing to spend a certain amount. But you now have a player, two players making 40 mil plus, and Davis is making 35 mil. Like at this point, you really can't hold back. Like if if they don't bring back all of both Crusoe and Horton Tucker, and uh, you know. They don't use the MLE, the taxpayer MLE, then... Oh, they're using the MLE. That, I yeah. think, is... A no, but it's going to be expensive. So in my article, I wrote, like, okay, let's say they do, they end up getting Buddy Healed and they re-sign Caruso and Taylor and Horta Tucker, and they use a taxpayer MLE, and then fill out the rest with minimums. That roster can be close to 400 mil in payroll and luxury tax combined. Like, it's going to be ridiculous how expensive that well, team's going to be. And they're why- not even in the repeater. They're just in the regular tax. This is why, to an extent, I think Taylor Horton Tucker, if not as likely, I think there's a good chance that he's involved. I mean, also, I just think if the Wizards aren't getting Schroeder, which maybe they are, maybe they're not, I think they would want something to send Kuzma and Harrell to the Kings. So I think there's a chance that he's in it. But let's just say hypothetically, just looking at if Buddy Heald goes to the Lakers, does that make you feel better about Westbrook or worse? Well, not worse. I think it'll obviously feel better. But like, how much better does that make you feel about the trade? No, definitely better because if it's just them three and then a bunch of stuff, uh, I feel pretty terrible if they get healed. Okay, like, like I, I, it doesn't make it doesn't change everything, but definitely makes me feel a little better that they have a really good volume three point shooter there. Uh, and then depending who they can get to be their fifth starter, uh, they need one more like. 37% plus shooter on that roster. I don't know how they'll get it, but they need well, it. The percentage to me isn't as important as the volume. I think what makes Heald so appealing, he made the second most threes in the entire NBA last season behind Stephen Curry. He's going to take a bunch of them. This isn't Alex Caruso shooting 40% on like two attempts a game. They need high volume three-point shooters that defenders are really going to respect. I think Buddy would be the perfect guy for that role. But let's say hypothetically Buddy isn't coming. I have a couple of other tra- sign-and-trade scenarios involving Schroeder here. Let's just go through them. So I have them split in half. The first is just trade Dennis Schroeder for a trade exception and then go out and get somebody else. Mm-hmm. I have three guys. The first is Terrence Ross, who we talked about at the trade deadline. Ian Begley says he's available. 
Maybe you're sending them picks. Maybe you're sending them Horton Tucker. I don't know. But the point is you can get a pretty good shooter who's a better defender than Heald. The second is Josh Richardson, who I assume is going to opt into his player option at $11.6 million. The Mavericks are going to want to get off of that. I think that's a decent flyer. He's obviously he's declined over the last few years, but I think that's better than nothing. And then finally, I don't think Schroeder's going to get this high, or like maybe he does. I don't know. It's 50-50, I guess. Eric Gordon at $18.2 million. Obviously, he played with with Westbrook in Houston. Uh, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he's another ball handler, and he's like defenses tend to respect him. So those are, those are three guys I think they could absorb into their trade exception if they just, you know, trade sign and trade Schroeder to a cap space team. Do any of those names stand out to you? Uh, like I said, just given the Lakers' state of their roster with their lack of depth, I, they, I think anybody would be thrilled. I would be thrilled. I think the Lakers would be thrilled if they can get any of those guys on top of uh, their big three. Yeah, I mean, Ross would obviously be the ideal target. He's the best scorer of the bunch. He's got a little bit of ball handling juice. He's a good, if maybe a little inconsistent shooter, decent defender. Like, I think you want somebody who leans more into the three portion of 3 and D here. But I- I'm I'm happy with that fit. Richardson, I wouldn't be so much. But I think that's at least, like, a nice talent shot, right? Like, two years ago, the dude was traded for Jimmy Butler. Like, I think somebody's going to be able to salvage him. I don't know if it's necessarily the Lakers. And then Gordon is sort of my last case scenario. As far as traditional sign and trades where they send Schroeder to a team that wants him and they get players back, I've got a couple here. Can I, can I just say for a second? Actually, shoot. out of all those options, I actually kind of like Eric Gordon a lot more, maybe even really? more than Buddy Heald for the Lakers, just because the Lakers are going all in on being super physical by getting Russell Westbrook and Gordon's out of that group, the most physical guy. I think they're good on that front. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think it hurts, but he's oh, such no, an no, underrated I don't think you understand. Like, I think the Lakers are going to probably bring back Dwight. They're going to, they're just going to be bullies again. Like they're going to go full on bully mode. I think that that was their edge in 2020. And they kind of, they sacrifice a lot of that. And I think they want to go all in on that even more. We'll get to the centers in a little bit. We'll go into free agency a little bit, but here are the sign and trades for like, players, teams want Schroeder. Boston doesn't have a point guard right now. I don't think they would trade Marcus Smart for Dennis Schroeder, but it's worth making the phone call. Philly Mm -hmm. seems to want Kyle Lowry. I don't know if they would view Dennis Schroeder as a viable alternative, but I'm going to make the call at least and ask about Seth Curry. Again, I don't think they would do that, but you want to talk about a perfect shooter for this team, Seth Curry would be it. I would also, if you could cobble the salary together, maybe with Sign and trading Caruso somewhere, THT somewhere. I'd ask about Tobias Harris, but I would expect the answer to be no, obviously. And then if Miami ends up operating above the cap, which I think we both think is unlikely, it's worth asking, hey, would you swap Schroeder for Goran Dragic? Now, I don't think having Dragic as a second point guard is the best idea, but at least he's a big expiring salary that could start for you in the short term, and then you flip him at the deadline elsewhere. Yeah. To be honest, I don't see... I, any of those teams being um, particularly good Schroeder fits. But um, I, I would say that uh, what other teams have you seen? Like, I know Chicago has been interested. Chicago is, I think, the team that he ends up with. But if uh-huh. that's the case, I think they're just absorbing him. Right? right? Like maybe the Lakers give them a couple picks and they get the trade exception out of it. I don't think uh-huh. the Bulls are sending them players. I really like Schroeder on Washington, especially now that they have no point guard. Like, honestly, like, why not? Like, okay, you get him on a three-year deal. You might be making close to $20 million annually. But, like, I don't know. I really, like, I really like that on the Wizards right now. I don't know why. If their goal is to win next year and to kind of send a message to Beal, like, oh, we want to be competitive, sure, I like that. But I'm thinking a little more realistically that they're probably now trying to prepare a little bit for a post-Beal future. And I don't know that I necessarily want Schroeder on my tanking team personally. Oh, well, so yeah, that's true. The Wizards um, are actually like after doing the Westbrook trade, they're like based on that framework, they're they're like on the path to getting max cap space next offseason. So yeah, they save like because KCP is only guaranteed five million. Harold's expiring, so they essentially save like almost thirty million in space by doing this, right? 
Yeah, and then they can get off Kuzma. Maybe they could get off Davies Bertans. Like, they can do something. Um, I, don't, I haven't really seen who they can get in 2022. But, you know, if, if Beal is, you know, in all in on the Wizards and he's excited for who they can bring in 2022, then, you know, by all means. Maybe that's when Kevin Durant finally comes home. Maybe. <laughs> That was, I, I think, honestly, like, every offseason we hit a new barometer for what I think is, like, the least likely thing that has ever happened. Westbrook is my new barometer now. Kevin Durant leaving the Nets to sign with the Wizards. I think that would be the least likely thing that has ever happened in any NBA transaction. Right. Um, so let's, let's dive into free agency a little bit here. I have a brief list of shooting targets that I would like for the mid-level exception. Do you think any of these guys are going to be available for the $5.9 million tech pyramid level? Otto Porter, Patty Mills, Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, Danny Green, Nicola, Nicola Batum. Um, maybe Reggie Bullock and maybe um, I, I got there's one other guy you put in that list. I Oh, Alec, maybe Alec Burks. Uh, the rest, I think I'll get the full mid-level or more. You think people are that excited about Otto Porter considering his injuries? I, I feel like everybody is really bullish on his market. I just would not want to take the risk at more than the tax pyramid level. Yeah, uh, again, there's my, this is just my opinion. I think there's going to be a premium on wings and shooters. And I understand Otto Porter has just been injured the past two years, but... He's such a high upside guy when he's healthy and can be a good fifth option on a on, on a good team. So I think there's going to be some teams that try to get a little aggressive and offer close to the mid-level to get him. Uh, at the same time, it wouldn't shock me if he got the tax pyramid level and went to a situation like the Lakers. He'd uh, really increase his value. Like if he's yeah. making four threes a game for the right. Lakers and they make the finals next year, then next offseason, he's getting $15 million a year. I always like to look at the market, and the first thing, my my rule of thumb usually when predicting what's going to happen in free agency is I, I think most players usually resign. So if you look at there's Kawhi, Chris Paul, John Collins, Mike Conley, all those guys are probably going to resign. There's probably a lot more that are going to resign with their teams. The more players that resign with their teams, uh, the less likely um, – the, the, the better, uh, less impactful players, the better chance they have at getting paid more because that spending power has got to go somewhere. So uh, just looking at some of these guys you mentioned, like Patty Mills, um, you uh, I, you mentioned uh, Otto Porter. Uh, I, Green, I, for I just the, this group of players, for example, uh Definitely, I think the premium is going to be on shooting and uh, wings with defensive versatility. Unlike last offseason, the MLE just went to backup centers. Uh, so I think there's, it's going to be a lot tougher to get these type of players. So let's say you, you think Alec Burks and Reggie, Bur Reggie Bullock are the two most attainable of this group. My preference would be Bullock. I thought he was pretty good defensively last year. Like, yeah. I think he would be a really nice fit. I think the Knicks probably want him back, and his cap hold is so low that, like, it makes sense for them to just keep him. I think Burks is more attainable. Are there any other guys that I'm forgetting as mid-level targets? Like, who would you look at as a mid-level target? I think, realistically, there's Bryn Forbes. Um, That's a bit too rich for my blood. He couldn't play in the in the, in the the finals. Well, I, I, I know this is def the players I'm about to list are definitely like a notch below the ones you did, but that's just how I see the market right now. I think realistically, you can get him with the taxpayer. They can get Andre Guadala. They can get Kent Bazemore. They can get Avery Bradley back if that's still uh. Avery know, Bradley is getting the minimum. I'm sorry, he's not getting <laughs> he's not getting the mid level. Uh, we'll see. I, I think most likely he he gets uh, his team option uh, exercise, and then they trade him somewhere. Well, that, um, that's possible too. Yeah. And then maybe Malik Monk. Um, you know, maybe he could uh, 
if he's not going to be back with Charlotte, maybe a one-year taxpayer mid-level make good. I could see that happening. Um, but in general, like the point guard, also keep in mind the point guard market is so strong. I don't think the Lakers would be able to get a Patty Mills or a Cameron Payne or a McConnell or Kendrick Nunn. I think all those guys get at least the full mid-level. Yeah, you're a bit more optimistic about these guys than I do. I think Payne, he can hold Phoenix to the fire and say, like, you can't let me go because you're not going to replace me. None, I think, and is going to be Paul a likes me. And that, too. No, um, none, I think, is going to be a casualty of Miami's cap space ambitions. I don't think – I think they'll do the pull the qualifying offer trick with Duncan Robinson to keep him and retain cap space. I don't think they're signing Robinson, none, and a big free agent. So I think there's a good chance that, that none is – you know, out there pretty available. So I, I don't know. Like, I think you're a bit more optimistic at this point. A lot of the guys that you named, I'd love Avery Bradley back for the minimum. I'd love Kent Bazemore for the minimum like he took in Golden State last year. While we're on the topic of free agents, though, I think quietly a really important thing that the Lakers need to do now is re-sign Wes Matthews because they cannot replace his salary, right? Like, they can re-sign him for the non-bird at a 20% raise on the BAAE from last year. So that's like what, up to 4 million, something like that? Yeah, 4.3. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I would imagine the Lakers are going to try very hard to get him back for the one-year veteran minimum, which is like 3 million less. Um, But, you know, if he's got any other offer out there for a little more, then he's... You know, he's got the leverage, and the Lakers might have to give him that non-bird. Right. Well, he's left money on the table the last two years to go to contenders. He clearly wants to win a, win a title. I just think if you're the Lakers, there is no way you're replacing that kind of guy for the minimum, right? Like, I know that Lakers fans were a little annoyed with him last year. Inconsistent shooter, obviously. He was in and out of the rotation. That is a legitimate 3D player. It might not be a legitimate 35-minute 3D player, but that's somebody who would get minutes going into the finals for this team. They have to re-sign him. I have to imagine that they do it for the non-Bird Max. What about some of the other internal guys, right? Like, what about Markeith Morris? They have to bring in somebody at center. We agree that Dwight and JaVale are likelier than Drummond. Is Drummond even worth a look at all? Like, is he going to have to take the minimum? I don't know who's paying him more. Uh, I think Markeith Morris definitely is going to get a serious look back. He's got early bird, right? So, again, it will, will be very interesting to see if he gets a little more than the minimum. Every dollar counts now. This Lakers team is going to get crazy expensive, especially if they do end up getting killed or another shooting guard later. Um, uh, Andre Drummond, I don't know what to, what to say about that because – I'm sure it's going to be rumored that the Lakers are looking at Dwight and McGee again. And if that's the case, uh, does Drummond fit? Uh, and how much are you going to give him? Because if you're using a taxpayer elsewhere, then all you're really giving him is the minimum. And I think he'll, you know, I, I still think he'll get a little more than that. He'll, uh, I think he should at least get like the taxpayer or the roommate level somewhere else. So I'm, if I had to guess, Probably he doesn't come back. Uh, also, you know, he got DNP'd in the last game of the playoffs. So yeah, it's, it was an ugly situation. You know, like with Harold, probably a big part of his decision will be like, am I guaranteed minutes going forward? That'll play into things. Well, we've seen all of this talk of Anthony Davis maybe playing more center next year. Frankly, I'm dubious, but I'm wondering if they're going to be willing to, or rather, if they're going to try to go out and sign centers who can like shoot just a little bit, right? Like, would you try to get Frank Kaminsky for the minimum as like a token center? You know, would you maybe offer your tax MLE to Daniel Tice? Like I, there aren't that many great shooting centers out there this off season. Like maybe you take a swing on Zach Collins if Portland lets him go. Cause they're going to have tax concerns. I don't know. Like there isn't really a great option out here. I think the likeliest thing you're right is just bring back Dwight and JaVale. But if, Dwight, Dwight and JaVale are playing with Russell Westbrook. Your spacing is really, really cramped. I think you have to have, well, Mark is going to be the starter, I think, right? Because they need shooting. But if you're playing Dwight or JaVale, you can't play him in the in the Westbrook minutes. I just think that's too much for an offense. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not, I think you, whatever center you get, just get him for the minimum. Uh, 
last offseason, the center market was just crazy, and I think it burns a lot of teams. Uh, you mentioned, like, Tice, for example, though. I think he's going to get a lot more than that. Um, what about Gorgie Jang? Uh, probably minimum. He could probably get him. Yeah, I think that's because he can more. shoot a little bit. I think that would yeah, be very nice. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of upside there. Uh, so, yeah, like, if you can get one of these stretch bigs, absolutely. Um, just uh, from what I've – just based on this Westbrook trade, though, my feeling is that they're going to go back to being super physical uh, like they were two years ago. So I don't know if yeah. that yeah. – I'm going the other way. What I'm saying is I think they have allotted this as the non-shooting spot in their lineup, right? Like Westbrook isn't a shooter. So we're hearing all this noise about LeBron playing more four and Davis playing more five. So I think that to me is an indication that they realize they've got to get two more shooters for the starting lineup to be the two and the three and say, if Westbrook isn't going to shoot, everybody else has to. And that might be a little optimistic based on their last few years. But I don't think all of this noise about Davis playing more center is an accident. I think they're trying to put that out there for a reason. But another minimum guy we kind of have to address, and I hate that we have to talk about this, is Carmelo Anthony, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I think that's such a minefield because if you sign him, he's going to have such expectations for playing time that he probably doesn't deserve, right? He's one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Let's just get that out there. And I think he is the king of true Hooper Twitter in the way that drives me most crazy, which is like once every 23 days, I swear that was an accidental number. That was not meant to be Michael Jordan's number. Okay, once every 22 days, he'll score like 16 points on pretty efficient shooting, and we'll have to get all of the like, oh, I can't believe analytics kept him out of the league. Like, oh, you nerds ruined Carmelo's, the end of Carmelo's career, yada, yada, yada. Well, what's he doing the other 21 days? He's getting torched on defense and not shooting well. So I think he's more harmed than he's worth, but I think there's a good chance that he's on this team. Yeah, I think that's a very good... Uh hypothesis that's what i've been thinking too that they're they're gonna get some vets and on the veteran minimum and carmelo just seems like i was surprised it even happened last year i i thought that when he came back to portland um i really thought he would go to la uh last off season so or yeah this, I mean, he's got those relationships with those guys too yeah uh you know like that that that, that signing will definitely win the hearts of fans when it happens but you know like when it comes to what he can actually bring to the basketball court yeah you know once in a while he'll probably have one of those games that that are vintage and just might even win you a game with these outlier scoring performances but for the most part especially when it comes to playoffs you know just he's gonna be he'll he's i wouldn't expect that much from him yeah jeff teague hit three threes in game six of the Eastern conference finals. Like he was mostly a negative for the bucks, but sure. He had a couple of good games and like they, I guess you can say they wouldn't have won the title without him in that sense. But I want to move on a little bit and just talk about how much leash do you think a Frank Vogel has with the organization to like, if teams aren't defending Russ, can they not close with him? Do you think that's at all possible or B like, I hate to say this, but something that has made me feel a little bit better about this trade is that I think there are some outs around the league if they're absolutely necessary. Like, I think if we're three months into this and it's not working, I don't think the Lakers would do this, mind you, but I'm just saying it's out there. If they called the Thunder and said, we'll give you our unprotected 2027 first round pick to swap Russell Westbrook for Kemba Walker, I think the Thunder would do that. Um, I don't think there's any... Uh scenario where Westbrook gets benched even in like a high leverage uh, situation in the playoffs he's making 41 mil is he gonna or 44 million this year uh there is uh, there's it just that just cannot happen like that's it you, you you went all in on him um you're gonna have to stick to it so let's say they re-sign Caruso they re-sign Wes Matthews and they sign some shooter for the mid-level. There's no part of you that, like, it's a big playoff game. Westbrook is 3 for 14. There's no part of you that's thinking, you know what, screw it. We're going to the traditional LeBron plus AD plus shooters lineup. That's not at all possible in your mind. My one saving grace here is that Frank Vogel did bench Andre Drummond. That happened. We went through the political nightmare. They're not not comparable. 
No, no, I'm just saying, like, we did go through this last year to some extent, where politics really played a part in dooming the Lakers' season. Injuries would have done it anyway, mind you, but, like, that was a real thing hanging over the team, and Vogel at a certain point just said, like, enough is enough. I want to win. I'm, I'm benching Andre Drummond, but I think I ultimately agree. I, I think there are scenarios where, like, maybe he plays 28 minutes instead of 35, but I don't think there's any scenario where, like, they're hitting the eject button or anything. Yeah, um, I wonder if you were Rob Palinka and you did this trade, would how would you do you think you would have slept well the following night? No, not at all. Not one bit. <laughs> I would be terrified. I would not have made this trade, like personally, if I were a GM. Agreed. I would not have made this trade unless I had spoken to Westbrook directly and said, like, look, this is not what your last three teams have been like. This is a championship team. There are certain expectations and certain sacrifices that come with that. No more six pull-up threes in a game. No more six mid-range jumpers per game. There are going to be games where you play less than others. You're still going to be a starter, obviously. You're still going to be a very core part of this team. But this is not the Russell Westbrook show. You have to accept that if you are going to come here. I would have had to have had that conversation. And what I'm really nervous about more than anything is that Rob Palenka did not have that conversation and that he and LeBron and AD decided on Westbrook thinking we need a third star without really thinking all of the implications through. Oh, I saw something from the LA Times that uh, supposedly LeBron and AD met with Westbrook like a couple weeks ago, and they had these types of conversations. Uh, These conversations on a couch in the middle of July versus like the mean something in in May in the final, the conference finals, right? Like, didn't yeah. Westbrook make noise about like I'm gonna defer to Harden when I got to, when he got got to Houston? He tried to play off ball, it didn't work. And what were we hearing last year when he requested trade? He wants to get back to playing point guard. Well, he did that for a year, and now he wants to be on a winner again. Excuse me for being a little bit dubious. Yeah, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm with you there 100. percent And I think there's just there is a lot of optimism on on the like oh. You know, he's going to change his ways. Le- LeBron will will get him to reform his game. Like, this is who Westbrook is. Uh, to add to that, like, what else could he be? Like, like he's a 14th. Not this. Like, this is his 14th year. This is who he is. He. So, look, like, can, it, can he completely reform his style to, to a, a way that's more conducive to winning? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, I think it's unlikely that he's just going to change like that. Um, but um, and with with that said, like, look, I'm sure there's a lot of Laker fans feeling very good about the trade right now. They'll feel you could feel you know they'll feel good about the off season, and then I'm sure the Lakers will do good in the regular season because like at least like I I think this is definitely a good trade for the regular season having Westbrook to just win you games on the regular season. Uh, after that, when it comes playoff time, I don't know what to expect. Like, Well, you could argue that the single most important thing for the Lakers this season, above all else, is keep LeBron and AD healthy. And I think this is a move that helps you keep LeBron and AD healthy because they don't have to play as much. They can play fewer minutes and they can play fewer games. They can sit out back-to-backs, whatever you need to do. With well, Westbrook, they're going to be a regular season juggernaut. I, I got to push my, back on that because that's exactly what we were saying about when the Lakers got Dennis okay, Schroeder and Montrezl Yes. <laughs> but Westbrook is a different animal. You don't get to you know pull back on Drummond being different from Westbrook if I don't get to do it with Schroeder and Harrell. So let me ask you this, though. I think we can assume at this point Russell Westbrook just is not a good shooter. Like, that ship has sailed. What does the good version of Westbrook look like? Like, if you had control of his body and you could make him play a certain way, what are the things you want him to do differently? And, and, and you said I cannot improve his shooting at all. You can't make him a better shooter, but you can change the kind of shots he's taking. Yeah, obviously the shot selection would be good, but um, yeah, just no mid-range game. Like, I... Look, obviously, if he gets set up really nice once in a while by LeBron, okay, you know. But no, I wouldn't want any ISO mid-range sh- shots at all, uh, even though sometimes he'll, like, bank some of these ones cleanly. Uh, I still clench every time he shoots it. Um, it's just, 
you're asking me not to add the one thing that he needs to have. But we know it's not going to happen, right? Like, here are the changes that I that would be important to me. Number one, no more pull-up jumpers. No more pull-up threes, at least, I'll say. You can take catch-and-shoot threes. I expect you to take a certain number of those just because the offense is going to produce them. You're not walking into threes anymore. Those days are over. Let's cut the mid-range jumpers in half. You're taking six a game. I'll give you three per game. I want you cutting off of the ball more. You have to be a lethal offensive rebounder, right? Like, no more of the big sending you up on defense for the transition rebound. That'll happen somewhat, don't get me wrong. But what we really need is you've got to be lethal on the offensive glass, and you've got to be putting stuff back. Those are the things that I want more than anything. And I think we saw some light glimmers of this in Houston, right? I thought the Rockets came up with some really cool pick-and-roll alternatives when they didn't have a big anymore where, like, you know, they're having Jeff Green set the screen at the top, but, like, Westbrook is cutting from the corner. They came up with some cool stuff. I hope the Lakers look into it. But if he expects to take 10 pull-up jumpers in a game, I'm sorry. Those days have to be over. They're not winning a championship that way. So I think this is the right place to close, though. Number one, what do you think the opening lineup, opening day lineup is for the Lakers? Starting lineup. Uh, the big, that big four, the big three with Buddy Heald and, uh, whoever, either Wes Matthews, whoever, or whoever they sign with their mid-level, uh, or maybe even Marcus Gasol could still just maybe could start. Well, because I, I don't, you know, I understand, I, the, I hear that Davis and LeBron have finally embraced being the front court, but like maybe they still just maybe like for like closing uh, lineups or playoffs, maybe like that. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, basically. So maybe Marcus yeah, I'm with you. Start. Yeah, I think Marcus All is going to be the starter, but I do wonder might they have to use a starting position to entice the right guy from the mid level, right? Like you don't yes. think that Otto Porter is coming, but like. Maybe the way you get out of Porter is you say you're going to be starting on the best. I would start him 100%. Yeah, if you got out of Porter, I think he would be worth it. But if I had to guess, I would still say that Marcus Hall is starting center. The shooting guard position, man, that's wide open. I think there is a good chance that it's Buddy Heald. I don't know if I'm willing to go far enough to, to say that I would predict it. So for now, I guess I'll say whatever shooting guard they get by trading Dennis Schroeder. And then the last question are the Lakers your championship pick right now? Yes or no? No, I still like Brooklyn more. Uh, in the West, let's see, because obviously the Clippers are down right now. Uh, Denver is very uh, questionable because Murray, I don't know what his status is going to be, when he'll come back, how he'll look like. Um, you know, uh, we'll see what the Warriors do. Um, other than that, I still prefer Brooklyn style. They've got the spacing. They've got the shooting. They've got the isolation game. And I'm very curious to see what else they do to tweak the roster. They still have that DeAndre Jordan salary to move around. They got that extra first-round pick for Sham. I really like that Sham trade they did getting a Javon Carter and a pick. Um, so I think that... Oh, quick question up. then. Do you think they got Javon Carter as a Bruce Brown replacement? As a who replacement? Bruce Brown. Like another I think they got him as like the Landry Shaman replacement because Javon Carter, he you know like on his, on good nights he can, I mean he his three point percentage isn't very good but like I've seen he'll have some he'll have some nights where he can really uh, he can really drain it. I, I think just the Javon, uh, Landry Shaman replacement, just like the small guard. Uh, I think they bring back Bruce Brown still. Um, and like I said, we'll see what they can. Maybe they could turn one of those uh, one of the players they drafted with uh, DeAndre Jordan or a future pick, turn that into something else. Um, yeah, as long as the Nets are healthy, I still think they're the favorites. Yeah, my pick right now would be Nets over Lakers. I, I think the West... I think I'd still feel comfortable depending on what they do. Like, I guess if the Lakers really totally strike out in the rest of the offseason, I might pick somebody else. I guess I would lean Golden State as my second choice. Phoenix probably third after that. I think the Warriors have the potential to get up. They don't even need to get Bradley Beal. If they would just trade for, like, one more above-average starter, I think I might be there. 
but they are totally determined to wait for Beal. And the irony is, this is an entirely separate podcast. I don't think even if the Wizards do trade Bradley Beal, they're going to trade him to Golden State. I think the team to watch out for is Atlanta, but that's an entirely separate conversation. I just feel like I saw enough out of Brooklyn's defense in the playoffs to say, given how historically dominant their offense is going to be and how easily it translates to the playoffs, they have to be the favorite. I think for the Lakers to beat them, they have to get either Buddy Heald or like a similar shooting guard with Dennis Schroeder. They have to nail the mid-level. They have to get one or two really good minimum signings. Like so many things have to happen and they still need Westbrook to do so many things that he's never done. For now, my pick would be the Nets. But Yossi, you're a team player, man. I have never recorded a podcast at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, same here. Uh, I just woke up an hour ago. You know, still my brain is still fried from all the screen time from last night. And, you know, my my so uh, I, I could just, you know, my whole sleep schedule is just on whack. So, uh, you know, why not? Dude, I'm still writing. Like, I was halfway through my story when I heard back from you. So I have to go get this podcast up and then I have to go back and finish writing about Westbrook. But, Yossi, you are the first fifth-time guest in the history of this podcast. We'll get your jacket out to you, and I think we're really on pace for that five more appearances before the start of the season. So I guess I'll talk to you again in, like, nine days. Looking forward to it, Sam. Thanks for having me on again. All right, take care. Um, go like, go subscribe, go review, go share, do whatever you need to get people to listen. And, you know, with free agency coming up, we will be back very, very